Welcome to the Programmatic Digest, a podcast dedicated to review industry headlines and trends in the programmatic and digital ad tech world. I'm Ellen Parker, your host and Chief Programmatic Sensei of Ellen Parker Consulting, where we offer customizable training in programmatic media. Welcome to the Sensei Sport, Matt. How are you doing? I am great, thanks. It's, uh, it's a beautiful fall day here in New York. Best time of year to be here. Sun is shining. It's not hot and humid. It's just nice and warm. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I think um, we're at that in-between period where summer kind of comes and goes every couple of days. And, uh, you know, fall isn't quite here just yet. So, uh, yeah, yeah I've, I've dressed in layers and I'm, I'm ready for, uh, for an exciting few four to come starting next week. Yeah, um, I'm in North Carolina, Raleigh, and it still feels like summer outside, but it's almost like desert temperature. So it'll get really hot during the day and then it'll get like, it's probably an insult to you New Yorkers, but like in the 60s, high heat <laughs> at night. <laughs> and then we're I'm, like, oh, I'm all about layers. Chilly, it, you know. Yeah, I know. It's, well, it's all about layers, right? You just, yeah. You've got to be ready for like any possible scenario, whether it be... Uh, you know, temperatures, I think the last time you and I had a chance to speak, I was sitting in my office and we had a Rain. crazy tropical storm. And then I had yeah. to brave the elements, like basically swim hope. So, you know, I think uh, Mother Nature is a force to be reckoned with. And, uh, you know, we should all just kind of like be respectful of that. Yeah, I was going to say you definitely got to be respectful of her. Um, I think I would love for you to introduce yourself to those who may not know you yet. Um and then we can get into this conversation. Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, you know, my name is Matt Barish. I live in New York, originally from New York. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been in the advertising technology space now for, God, uh, well over 20 plus years. I started in broadcast, moved into print, realized that digital was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I was a big believer that everyone should have a thesis. And so... Back in 2005, uh, a mentor of mine said, hey, you know, if you want to get into sales, if you want to really understand how to you know, be effective, you should recognize that success, no matter what you do, is predicated on exposure, leverage, and relationships. Mm-hmm. And so at a point where I was trying to figure out where I should go and you know, digital was starting to kind of like come back after the bubble bursting in the late 90s, uh, I found a job at a company called 24-7 Real Media, which had a media network. A, an ad serving business and a boutique search agency. And so for someone who was trying to dive headfirst into what I thought was going to be an area of opportunity for long haul, mm-hmm. it gave me kind of the opportunity to check all three of those boxes. And so 24-7 was great. We got acquired by WPP. I then went on to uh, join the team at MySpace, third-party business, launched third-party business News Corp. Yeah. Uh, spent a few years as vice president of sales at Forbes into mobile gaming uh, at a company called Ad Colony, which is part of Opera Software, launched global programmatic business there, and uh, left. And then tried to be an entrepreneur, decided to go back, had a great couple of years. So in total, spent about seven years there. And for the past about a year, have been uh, sitting in my current role, Senior Vice President of Business Development at a company called ZeoTap, which is a Berlin-based software data company uh, really solving for the future. And when I say the future, it's, you know, the imminent demise of the cookie, mm-hmm. it's the importance of first-party data, and the ability for a marketer to activate that in 
all of these channels, which, you know, marketing is just one of them, but that could be consumer journey. It could be how, uh, marketers touch base with, you know, their, uh, their consumers through things like SMS and call center. It's really recognizing that, you know, yeah. uh, a marketer needs a one-stop shop to really have customer intelligence at their fingertips. And does do you, do you top only works, I mean, works mostly on the publisher side or is it both buy side and publisher side? Can you work with publishers and brands? Welcome to the Pergamatic Meetup. Yay! You're so excited about this community that we're building. It's going to be a safe space for media buyers, ad ops, uh, programmatic ninjas, data analysts like you and I, you know, just to come up and talk about our day-to-day challenges and our direct roles, some of our, some of our wins and some of our um, opportunities to grow, to educate ourselves. Some of the topic of discussion includes anything from optimization, best practice, QA, templating, workflow, um, operational workflow I'll have guest appearance I'm bringing my network to you and the best part of it is that you'll have one-on-one questions with them oh so excited about this yo I was so hyped um so what to expect in your membership right um you can expect one hour call every first and third Wednesday of the month access to all the recordings for the paid members within our community um discounted one-on-one consulting with me and some of the guests that will be gracing us with their presence and their appearance, customizable training, but most importantly, new best friends, y'all. I'm very excited about this opportunity. This is a community for you and I. This is a community for us to just join forces and really, really share, really just being able to be together in a community. There's so much growth when you're in a community, when you're able to relate to people, as somebody understands where you're coming from, um, from, from different perspectives, right? So, so join today. Programmatic Meetup our community is open to you. Bring your friends, tell your friends to bring his friends, to bring her friends and his friends to meet up with us. Um, we respect you. We love you. We appreciate you. We're ready to like uh, support you. So make sure you join the programmatic meetup. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very excited about this. So thank you so much and see you soon. Yeah, so, so ZeroTap is primarily focused on providing software for marketers. There is a little bit of a publisher component to what we do. But you know, okay. when you look at our business, our business began as a uh, you know as an offering that provided data monetization telcos around Europe. And so because we're distinctly German mm-hmm. and because we've got a very, very, very serious focus on the sensitivity around consumer privacy and you know, the need for trust, uh, we've built really what I think is best in class tech. Uh, and so we started with uh, addressable segments. We then moved mm-hmm. on to CRM onboarding of third-party data. We then built out first-party data capabilities. And now we have what we consider uh, like a leading CDP. And that CDP doesn't just sell or doesn't just uh, create an offering that sells transactional data, but it provides really kind of this single rail where we've got an identity business where we're solving for universal identity. And, and that's where the publisher side of the business comes in, where we work with Comscore Top 100 to uh, to give them an alternative to the cookie for logged in deterministic users and gives the marketer the ability to uh, you know to to, to to hit that consumer 
uh, based on, you know, their logins and the network that we've built. And so we focus on five different European markets plus India, UK, France, Germany, Germany, Italy, and Spain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Europe is a little bit different in terms of navigating because of some of the complexity around, uh, you know, around things like GDPR, for example, and, you know, and, and, and really, um, a much heavier emphasis on consumer privacy than we have here in the U.S. And so it's a great challenge. Uh, it's something where, you know, I think when we talk here, we read here about, you know, what the future looks like without the cookie or we think about, you know, things like CCPA. Um, you know, the American conversation is definitely relevant, but the European conversation is a little bit more intense. So, mm-hmm. you know, operating in Europe uh, requires a very different mindset and skill set. I bet. Um, that's, thank you for the introduction. Um, for those listening, you can find Matt on almost all social media. I know Instagram you're very active with, uh, but mainly Twitter and LinkedIn. So instead of having your typical conversation, and I'm speaking to whoever's listening right now in terms of like, what's this, what's Matt's point of view about the industry? What's this? So while we, why should we um, retire the word cookie last? It hasn't really happened yet, et cetera, et cetera. You can probably Google and find those type of information. But since I have such a bomb ass uh, person on the podcast today, and while we were having the introduction call, you mentioned something that really resonated with me in terms of, um, I think you said something about you work for X company for seven years and only like what, one or two people left while you were at a company because you helped build the department and you basically built that uh, that team. So yeah, I think you know you you mentioned having a point of view. I mean, I definitely don't lack opinion, right? Of course, of course. That that's um, yeah. you know that 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 that's something which you know most of the time is a blessing. Every so often, it's a curse. But you know, I think when it comes to an industry that. You know, it's funny for all of the hyperbole and all the talk about automation mm-hmm. you know, and this move or this shift towards, you know, a programmatic world. Yeah. If you don't have relationships and you don't have good people doing good work, mm-hmm. then you really don't have much of anything. And so to that point, I think, um, you know, having been observer and a participant, I should say, in this, in, in this, in the evolution of this industry. You know, it's funny because I remember getting online in, in the mid-90s at the University of Wisconsin and thinking that Yahoo was this gateway to a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And it was really an eye-opening experience. <laughs> and so when I went to college, and now I'm dating myself a little bit here, <laughs> uh, n- none, of this, none, none of this existed, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was impossible to be properly prepared for what was going to come my way in terms of a career. And so while my dad might have been a doctor and my mom might have been a lawyer, they went to the same desk every day for decades. And when I started off on my own professional journey, I probably had three jobs in the first five years that I was out of school. And I started to wonder, is it me or is it what's happening around? Mm-hmm. So to that point, I started to think a lot about you know, the, the, the constructs of career development. And what does that mean? And who are the great managers that I've had? And what have they brought to me that had made me want to rally for them? And really, what have they invested in me and what have I invested back? And so 
as I evolved and matured and grew into management roles, I started to apply some of that mindset. And I started to think, okay, um, this is an industry where the average employee has maybe 18 to 36 months at a a job in the role. And why is that? And Mm -hmm. whose responsibility is it to, you know, nurture those folks, help them to really, you know, have, I think, an opportunity to grow, uh, to create some value, to create some value for themselves, sub-bullet for the company that they work for, but also realizing that, you know, all this turnover and gas isn't good for it, right? It's not good for driving an industry forward. It's not good for a company that's grow. And it's not good for a manager who, every time an employee leaves, has to go through a hiring cycle, which is tedious and long. Expensive, yeah. Incredibly expensive. An investment, yep. That's right. And so, you know, I looked at the the time period, the mid, you know, 2010s, right? Let's say 2013 through 2017, Mm. where so many great companies went through such tough times because, you know, they they, they didn't have management that understood how to get maximum value out of employees. And so in the time that I was in Ag Colony and Opera, we hired a lot of people, but was really important to me wasn't the revenue growth, it wasn't the profitability, it wasn't the amount that we sold the companies for. It was about the fact that we brought people on who stuck around. And that was why we saw success, was because those people realized that I was in it to help them. And that, you know, if they were successful, I'd be successful and we'd all be successful. And so that translates. And so yeah. finding a good manager is really important. It's about finding someone who's truly willing to spend the time to get to know you, to understand where you want to go, to explain the industry, to open doors, to help create some of those relationships that you might not get. And it's even tougher these days, right? In the Zoom world, where building those network bonds, you know, I mean, it, it takes a skill set to be able to be engaging and charismatic and hold somebody's attention as part of, uh, you know, a, a 30-minute window where you could be one of two squares in the window speaking at one another or speak one another. Or you could be one of 30. And so, you know, how do you do that? And uh, I think it's something that we're all learning on the fly. But, you know, the, the the whole concept of really investing in talent, investing in people, you know, I think in many companies that falls back to HR. But I think it's really this partnership between human resources and management to understand what is the mindset. I think the term culture gets used a lot. Mm-hmm. Culture isn't something that comes in one size fits all package. There's no playbook for it. You have to create it. You have to invest in people and you have to actually live it. And once mm-hmm. you do that, you start to see the success. You start to reap those rewards. So, um, so what is, uh, the culture that you were able to create for the team that you, that grew under you or grew with you? What is like the, I know that I love the fact that you said that culture is not like a one size fits all. I think uh, it's really important to mention and highlight. If you were a book, I would have been highlighting a lot, actually. <laughs> but like how how for a, a manager listening or even a team member listening, um, how what can you tell them? And I guess it's two, this is two questions. One speaking to that manager and one speaking to that team. Like how can they yes. participate in growing that culture? Because it's not only on, on HR or on management. It's like, everybody like it's like culture everybody has to step in but um how can they feel empowered and encouraged to actually step in and be courageous enough to to participate 
Yeah, I think, you know, it, it starts with curiosity, right? It starts mm-hmm. with really, you know, thinking about, you know, no one in this industry, whether it's advertising, whether it's technology, whether mm-hmm. it's programmatic, you, you know, take your pick on which, you know, subset of, you know, we'll call it global marketing you, you want to focus on, but no one has all the answers. Mm-hmm. And yet there, you know, it, it takes some level of self-confidence to actually ask questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's really important for, you know, whether, let's start with the manager, right? Managers have to ask employees, where do you want to go? What's important to you? What are your objectives, right? Over the next six months or 12 months, what are the milestones that you want to hit? And do those align with where the company thinks that they can grow and grow you as the employee? Mm-hmm. And so how do you create this career development track where, you know, you've got goals for the employee, they align with the goals of the company. And if you achieve those, and check those boxes, you essentially level up. And so, you know, there are certain things that are really important to every employee, right? Number one is compensation. People want to get paid for their time and they want to be compensated effectively. And they want to believe that the company is there to help them make as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. So how do you set those goals to be really fair? Secondly, you know, I think what you want is you want people to believe that they've got a future and that they're invested in a place which is invested in them. And so how do you provide the resources, whether that be attending events, whether that be paying for certifications, but how do you give people that investment and that confidence to go out and again uh, explore that curiosity because what happens within, you know, any given company that you work for is just a big piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And the puzzle is pretty broad. And so, you know, if you're an employer, sorry, an employee, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you should really ask a lot of your manager and you shouldn't be afraid to. And I think great employees, you know, they have, they, they may have, uh, you know, different cultural values, meaning, you know, there may be certain types programs that may be interesting for them. They might want to focus on impact. They might want to focus on diversity. You know, again, introducing things that will help the company to think differently will help the manager to really grow and 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 really uh, you know I think a good manager mm-hmm. will welcome that. Um, good companies will also be supportive of people who want to think outside of and I know that's a bit of a cliche. Yeah. But, you know, it's not just about coming in and punching the clock, right? It's about how do you develop relationships, not just externally with the customers or partners who help you to earn more revenue and drive more profit, but how do you build those relationships internally, especially at a time when you're not staying in office with someone? And that's tricky, right? That's like, mm-hmm. You know, um, my wife, who has an HR role, um, mm-hmm. it, it, she will always say to me, I, you know, I'm always surprised at how much time you spend on Slack, you know, reaching out to random employees around the world, you know, on a Monday morning, just saying, how are you and how is your weekend? Yeah. And it's those little things that really make a difference, right? You know, mm-hmm. when you hear from someone and it's not just, hey, why wasn't that report pulled? Or, hey, what happened with that deal? Why did the but campaign really stop about, running? Yeah. Totally. It's about showing interest, right? It's yeah. about saying, yeah. you know, hey, like, how are your kids doing? Or, yeah. you know, hey, um, you know, have you watched an episode of, you know, whatever show, you know, like, and, uh, and really just recognizing that we're all humans. 
And uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Matt Barish or you're just an employee coming out of college. Yeah. Um, we are all interchangeable. And so you want to be empathetic. You want to recognize that, you know, we're not living in the same work world that we were 18 months ago or two years ago. And you want to be flexible and think different. If you do that, you'll be successful. If you... um. Okay, so I'm highlighting again here. Um, I think you can pull a lot of things. Like you pull empath- empathetic. You you pull like just checking in on the human part of the business, the human part of the team. Have you heard of the DISC assessment? Yeah, tell me. It's um, it's like a, it's not a personality test, but it kind of is. Except it helps you understand. Your communication style is like the D stands for dominance, I stands for influence, S for stability, and C for compliance. And um, it's just like a test that helps you um, understand how you receive information and how you 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 give information out. And um, it's a really cool test. And I've taken a few of them working for agencies. And I can tell based on like your your charisma and your energy that you might be a high eye, which is those people that are very uh, people driven. They are like the life of the party. Like when you walk into their office, like you can't go straight to business. You have to say, hey, how are you? How's the fam? Are you feeling better? Did you catch this game? And then it get into business versus like a high S or high C, I can't remember, would be like, you can't just come and rumble. You have to go straight to like, hey. Did you get this report? Not even a good morning sometimes. Um, yeah. And, I, I mean, look, there, there are so many different flavors, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's um, it's important to have a little bit of each, right? I think, Absolutely. You know, there, it really depends on your role and it depends on what you're coming to do all day and mm-hmm. and how you look at it. And, yeah. you know, I think we're, we're all cut from different cloths. And so, yeah. you know, I think for me... Um, you know, I, I really recognize the value of interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know, if you treat people like they're resources, you're not going to get a lot out of it. But if you treat them like they are important to you mm-hmm. and you build that bond, then, uh, then they're going to go to bat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's where you see amazing things happen. So there's been a lot of like, I've seen on LinkedIn, I've seen, I'm seeing a lot of posts where people are like, oh, hiring here, this is a great position, hiring here. And I see recruiters just venting on LinkedIn now, um, saying things such as there's no talent out there or talent is becoming uh, rare. Uh, so so what's your take on that? Because I have my opinion, I'm, I'm happy to share after you, but I, I would love to know what you think of how this industry is shifting and all of a sudden, talent is scarce versus like maybe two, three years ago. And I know it has a lot of to do with the pandemic, but what's, what's just a take on it? Yeah, I think part of that comes back to the fact that people just don't know how to hire, right? I think that, you know, hiring managers are paralyzed. They really are terrified of making the wrong hire. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of that selfish, right? And, and it's really driven off of their perhaps um, their insecurities, right? Because they're looking for the perfect candidate. And there's no such thing, right? You're never going to find somebody who checks every box that you may be thinking of. And so, you know, when you hear people vent and, 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 and really you know, suggest frustration around you know, finding talent, mm-hmm. it's not that there's a lack of talent. It's that there's actually a challenge in terms of people recognizing that 
sometimes you have to really think differently to go out and find the best candidate for the role that you're looking to fill. And so, you know, when I write a job description, I'll be honest, it's really a formality, right? It's something that I've got to jot down five or seven points to put on a page and post Mm -hmm. ultimately, uh, you know, get some people attracted to apply for that role. Mm -hmm. But that role is going to be pretty multifaceted. And so it's one of those things where you can really, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, you can get to know somebody pretty quickly in an interview process just based on how they tell their story, right? And how they can explain where they've come from and what they're interested in and where they want to go. And you can sort of pick up certain cues or certain bullet points yeah. right in your head that say, this person's going to be a fit or wow, that person probably is not going to like just jive with the rest of the team but you said you've got some thoughts on it tell me you know what's your take on it uh i think i'm I'm, i agree with you i agree with you i think that um industry wise i feel like what i'm hearing from you in terms of being a successful manager hiring a successful team or training for a successful team includes being able to be flexible but also being able to be uh to be the resource for your people instead of them being a resource for you. And I think this whole time, pandemic or not, I think some jobs out there expect the talent to already be the resource, already know everything about what they're supposed to and understand that there's jobs that need experience. I'm not saying that, no, you should train. Um, But whether you have experience or not, there's still a phase an onboarding phase where you have to onboard your 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 employee you have to onboard your team members into certain things and there's experience that need to come here and there but I, I think as like industry leaders or company leaders or whoever is doing that hiring and picking up that talent is not finding the correct formula in terms of still being inspiring and engaging. So I think if I'm being very blunt, I think we've gone a little lazy when it comes to onboarding employees, expecting them to guess everything like, oh, you should know this because you have X amount of experience. No, it's a different place. I know my shit, but like it's different. So uh, that's that's my take. Every place has a different process, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, it's funny when I hear people who are hiring and they're like, you've got to hit the ground running. Yeah. I'm like. What is- you are setting someone up for failure, right? Exactly. Because it takes it takes a solid, I don't know, six to nine months to actually understand mm-hmm. what you are like, what you're tasked with doing, how the company does it. You know, what 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 is the space that you occupy today relative to where you were? Mm-hmm. And you know, and 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 you know, I always joke that in the first three months, you know, if you can tell me where the printer is and where the bathroom is and where the post-it notes are, <laughs> like you're doing just fine. <laughs> right. And yet the expectations from so many companies mm-hmm. are really immediate impact. And so there's misalignment there, right? Because if they want immediate impact, then they have to have some really killer onboarding and they really have to take the time for, you know, for managers to spend, uh, you know, hours upon hours helping people to, you know, again, be set up for success have the resources and learning and development tools in place so that, you know, an employee could be a bit of a self-starter and, and, and mm-hmm. do their homework on their own. 
and, you know, and make it really seamless and easy. And by the way, you know, we're not all in offices and we probably won't be in offices full time anytime soon. And so, you know, in, in this day and age, uh, it's tougher than ever. And so, you know, I think some people are really scrappy and resourceful. I know that I onboarded the pandemic last fall and I'm lucky in that I had pretty good resources at the same time. It took me eight months, nine months before I ever actually met colleague in person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, there's that, that intangible, you know, not recognizing who that person is outside of, you know, the confines of the Zoom screen, which are tough. And then, you know, there's the inevitable question that pops up throughout the day, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you're like, okay, who's the right person to ask? And how does this work? Mm-hmm. And are they going to think of less of me if I, you know, if I stop and if I ask them what may be a really simple, dumb question, but it wasn't covered in the onboarding. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. again, what's the perception to be there? And that's yeah. tough. That's a really tough spot. You know, I think the other thing is I may be a senior manager and I may be a highly visible, you know, personality within this industry, but I find it most interesting to talk to the junior people. And to yeah. get to know, you know, the, the, the doers, if you will, rather than yeah. decision makers, because the doers are the ones who really understand how the sausage is made, the inside and outs of the company, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. the partnership like call, or the client. I call, I call us dominions. Like, <laughs> yeah. You I've know. received some comments about this. So if you're listening, this is the last time I'll joke about it once again, but I think it's a good way to put into perspective. Totally. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I don't want to be disparaging of anyone. We all start somewhere, right? You know, I was that that 20, 20, young 20 something who had a hunger in my eye and wanted to figure it all out. But, you know, those are the most interesting conversations for me. You know, it's getting to know people who are really trying to figure out, you know, how to make, you know, how to make it work. And I can go walk into a corner office and have a conversation. That's great. Those are usually pretty high level yeah. and they're pretty contested. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, I'll take a conversation or a lunch or a coffee with someone who's just starting out early in their career, really curious, really hungry, and really like looking to like make it happen uh, any day of the week. Those are the ones that are really fun. Do you think there's been a, um, it's more challenging to work with like multi generational team members? Or- <laughs> multiple difference and the reason why i'm saying that is because i remember a few years back on my resume most of the jobs i'm one of the two or three years and i've always been super loyal to the company or the i'm on the i've always been on the agency side so i've always been super mm-hmm. loyal and then after a while again it happens on the two-year mark the, the agency is not loyal anymore and i, I find myself just doing more than what needs to be done because i had either juniors that I was managing or I had team team my team that I just didn't want to let go so we all put in more than we were supposed to without the resource or uh how am I going to say that the support that was needed at the time and so when you when my dad looks at my resume he's 62 I'm 32 he's always like oh well this is just a different generation millennials tend not to stay a job more than two, three years and a half. As you know, Dad, I think this is advertising specific in the industry. So do you think it's more challenging or it's more, more of a blessing to have like multi-generational team members on your on your your team? And it doesn't have to be like literally all buyers or all analysts, like different positions. 
Yeah, I think it's it's such a tough question, right? Because you know, <laughs> I'm 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 in my mid forties now. Mm-hmm. I can say that proudly. And yeah. you know, sometime I so, so at some point I became like one of the older guys. <laughs> and so you know, when I stop and I listen to what's really important to employees who are you know twenty years my junior, yeah, uh, that value set is remarkably different. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that one is better than the other. It's about you know what's important to you you know, at that moment in time. So, you know, whereas I grew up watching movies like Wall Street, listening to Gordon Gecko talk about greed is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of the younger colleagues I have, and people who I've worked with over the past, you know, five years or so, you know, they're cut from a very different cloth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they want, they want to change the world. And they want to make the world a very different, you know, better place. And so, Whereas when I entered into all this, you know, it was about making as much money as you can, yeah, you know, and, and, and really, you know, just, uh, just, just bankrolling. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's not important. It's important, but I think that now the world is a little bit more complicated and, you know, as the world becomes a little bit more complicated, you have to be, I'm going to use a word that my wife makes fun of me for being critical of her for using all the time, but it's thoughtful, mm-hmm. right? My wife is a very senior HR executive in mm-hmm. the agency world. And she always talks about how it's important to be thoughtful to your colleagues and your employees and recognize what drives them, what are the important moments or points for them, and what are going to be the points of satisfaction that will make their work experience better. And that may not align with what's important to me, but it's about designing around the happy medium, right? Mm -hmm. Where is that point of intersection? And so, you know, maybe some of that's generational. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, a byproduct of the world that we live in today and some of the changes we've seen in society over the past couple of years. But I think, you know, if you can figure it out um, and you can find people around you who realize that diversity of thought is a really, really good thing, and it's not a hindrance, that's what you want to gravitate towards. You want to find people who, they don't want a bunch of people who are doers and who will just punch a clock and who will come in and, you know, not express an opinion or a thought or make a suggestion. But you want to find people who will bring it all, right? And they will come to the table with ideas and want, you know, to leverage the company to create a better mindset and a better world, right? And if, mm. if you can create a better world, and sometimes that's driven by a financial incentive, sometimes it's just, you know, what that service might provide or what that yeah. capability might provide, uh, you know, then everybody can win. I think it's a good way to end the conversation uh, before our, like, closing segment. Um, and this is the last question before it. Uh, if you had to kind of recap if somebody had to stop listening to the podcast right now in this instance, what are like two or three things they need to remember from our conversation? Uh, I'm going to go back to you. success. No matter what you do is really a byproduct of exposure, leverage, and relationships. I think mm-hmm. that I've used that line for 20 plus years. And I think mm-hmm. it always sounds pretty smart. Um, I think that, you know, I'll go back to the relationships part of this where you know, it doesn't matter whether you're on the buy side, whether you're on the sell side, whether you're on the tech side. Um, if you don't know who to call and how to put the ball in play, 
yep. then you're going to be facing an uphill battle. So relationships are really, really important. Uh, the next thing is, you know, find yourself a good manager, right? You know, I think it's really easy when you start applying for jobs and you start looking at job description saying, hey, you know, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. These are their, you know, objectives for the role. But who's actually leading the charge? Mm-hmm. And is that someone who you can rally behind? Yeah. And if you can, then, you know, bonus points. And if you mm-hmm. can't, maybe it's a little bit of a red flag. Yeah. 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 That's a good way to, I love the relationship part because um, I think your environment defines your success and relationship to people in your environment are one of the things in your environment or one of it. So I think it's a great way to, to end the podcast. So let's move into the closing segment. And before we close for real, for real, can you tell us like one fun thing about yourself? God, one fun thing about myself. Okay. I am a diehard New York Mets fan who in 1986 shivered in the upper deck of Shea Stadium watching the New York Mets win the World Series. No way. Uh, It's been, it's been 35 years since that game seven October night and it's been all downhill since. So, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, you can find me on any given night sitting there, uh, you know, yelling at my TV. Uh, we are in the end of September and inevitably my heart gets broken around this time of year as I watch, you know, the Mets pennant race hopes go down the toilet. So yeah. And uh, I know you, you travel a lot with uh, with your, posi- your current position. So I've seen you attend soccer games as well. Are you like a French soccer fan? I am a everything soccer fan, I think, uh, <laughs> minus, my, minus, minus what goes on here in the U.S. But, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I just got back from about three weeks in Europe and, uh, yeah. had a couple matches, had an opportunity to do something that was mind blowing, which is go to a Paris Saint Germain game mm-hmm. and go see all those superstars. And so, uh, it was my birthday. It was my birthday wish. And I figured, you know, it's been a year and a half being cooped up and sitting at home and, yeah. you know, playing, uh, pl- playing a lot of Xbox. Yeah. And so, you know, instead of pretending to be, uh, you know, Lionel Messi or Kylian Mbappe on the Xbox, <laughs> we go out and watch these yeah. guys do it in real life because real life is where it's at. Yeah. And so, uh, so I had an opportunity to, to, to go spend a week in Paris, uh, a couple weeks ago and, uh, and, you know, and, and go be, you know, not that different than the little kid who was shivering in the stands at Chase Stadium in 1986. <laughs> but this time the sun was shining and, you know, the, uh, the sport was a little That's different, funny. but, uh, but, you know, young, young, you know, kind of elementary school Mac came out to play wearing his best, uh, yeah, PSG yeah. jersey and, uh, <laughs> and yelling like a, uh, y- yell, yelling like I did, you know, once upon a time for, uh, for players to, uh, you know, to turn my way, smile and wave. So, oh my God. You know, I think there's, there's the beauty of sport right there. That is hilarious. And what's the latest thing you stream or like binge watched? I, uh, I'm all in on billions. I think, um, you know, there was, uh, there, there was a rough break there because of the pandemic where I think they got through filming half the season and then there was this abrupt cutoff and you're like, uh oh, am I really going to have to wait an indefinite period of time? Yes. For this to, what was the you know, show? Figure out billions. Oh, billions. I'm not sure about that. And so, uh, you know, I think, um, billions just came back a couple weeks ago and, uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been traveling, so I haven't had a chance. To, to, to catch up but i did a uh i did a three-hour binge last night i think um, <laughs> you know really really looking forward to uh yeah to uh to get back into that 
you know, I'll be honest, I, I don't watch a ton of TV, but, uh, yeah, but when I do, it's, you know, I'm, I'm all in on certain things. So, uh, you know, I think yeah. st- streaming is like, uh, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because mm-hmm. you just got endless, endless, endless opportunities. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That- yeah. 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 I love and hate Netflix for that particular reason. And now they have this option where you can just, <laughs> when you don't know, I guess when you, it's a timer, when you're like looking for things for a while, it just pops up and say, play something random. And then you'll click and it'll play something random. I'm like, wow. How long have I been just, you know what? I just, I don't need to watch TV if I don't know what I'm going to watch. So I need to turn it off, but I'm the yeah, same totally. it, it comes back. It comes back to what you asked me, right? Which is like, yeah. you know, on any given Saturday morning, it's not uncommon for me to be sitting and having, uh, you know, a cup of coffee, a bagel and watching like some, you know, second tier French team playing, uh, you know, and, and the game to be broadcast in Spanish. And my 17 and a half year old blind dog sitting next to me going, oh. like, what what are you doing, man? Like, what, why are you watching this? And I'm just like, because <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's the beauty of sport is, you know, there's always something on ESPN or I can always go find something on you know, one of those uh, obscure, you know, channels that you dig deep enough into your cable box <laughs> or, uh, you know, it keeps me away from watching, um, you know, uh, you know, some of those random things, uh, you know, that Netflix, you know, wants to, wants me to dive into. Yeah. And yet, you know, it takes a lot of self-restraint to, uh, to stay away. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, well, um, net, net, Netflix is a wonderful thing, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, think, of uh, Netflix, Hulu, all of them. All of them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're great. We could do another session just yeah. on the future of that. Bit, right. <laughs> future. Think, uh, you know, just discovery is just so hard, right? Because there are just mm-hmm. infinite possibilities. Yeah. Watching, but you know, these days I'm just happy to be out, going for runs, getting outside, doing the fresh air all we can. So yep. Really That's lucky to have. Really lucky to have our health and the ability to, mm-hmm. you know, to get out. And stuff. Life is good. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. So. um Thank you so much for dropping by. I think I've uh, asked all the questions I wanted to ask. I think if anybody wants to reach out to you, where should they do that? Or how should they do that? Uh, I'm easy to find. I think yep. um, it's, it's MJ Barish on Twitter. Uh, I can be found on LinkedIn. I can be found on Instagram. It's Matt Barish. And, uh, you know, I tend to uh, reply to just about every message I get. Because, <laughs> you know, I think it's really important. So. Uh, okay. You know, if you've got questions, if you've got thoughts, if you're looking for direction in your career, please uh, please feel free. Oh, I love that. Great. Matt's information will be in our show notes. He'll be on every um, note for the podcast, every social post. So don't hesitate to reach out to him. Matt, thank you so much for dropping by. This was the bomb. We really appreciate you for making the time today. Thanks so much for having me. Great way to start the week. And hope uh, yeah. it's a great one for you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Feel free to grab today's conversation and show notes, including our guest information on our website, programmaticdigest.com, programmaticdigest.com. See you next week and stay curious, my friend.